Welcome to a King Size Life podcast with Shannon King. Our goal is to encourage and inspire you to get off the sidelines and live this one life He has given us in the biggest way possible. Life is guaranteed to throw us all obstacles and opportunities. Do you choose to be a spectator of life or seize the opportunities given, create your own path, and become everything you're designed to be? Your road to discovery starts now. Here's your host, Shannon King. Carrie Schoonbelt. So here we are. It This is my first podcast for a king size life since November. I didn't do one all of December because December was just a weird month. So I am really excited that you're my first guest of 2021. So welcome to a king size life. Oh, Shannon. Gosh, I'm super excited. I'm honored. I'm, I'm wowed if that's such a thing. Um, you know, nothing has happened since November, but a lot has happened since November. And now we're in our first week of 2021. That's, that's a big, 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 big deal that I get to be your first podcast of 2021. It was meant to be. I mean, you and I both know that there's no such thing as coincidence. So this was, this has been in the making for a long time for us to have this conversation. Which is awesome. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for the listeners to hear. So to tell you guys a little bit about my guest today, she has a really long list of things that I could talk about, but I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight some of those about who Carrie is. Um, she's a wife. She's a stommy. I don't know if y'all have heard that. She doesn't call herself that, but I recently heard that for stepmom. I love it. Um, she is a believer. She is a life giver. She speaks life into people. She's a very successful businesswoman with a lot of years in the radio industry and marketing and about seven years of very successful work in the real estate industry and now doing some investments and finding a new love in the Airbnb world. A lover of traveling, music, I think the arts probably. And a gift, yeah. for, a gift for fashion. I'm just going to throw that out there. I awe and ooh over your, your fashion all the time. But for me, you're just a life giver. That's how I would just sum you up. And why I feel like we're friends is because you're just somebody that pours into people and pours life into me. And I, I'm excited to share that with, with people today. But I'll let you share a little bit to kick us off. How, how would you describe yourself? What are some things that you love? And who is Carrie Schoonvelt? For our listeners. Oh, well, thanks, Shannon, for quite the introduction um, and a little bit of background on me. You sing my praises way better than I guess I am able to or want to. Um, but just to tell you guys who, who I am, first and foremost, I, I just, I love people, specifically women, but I do love everything about people. I love community. I love social gatherings. I love worship settings things. I love my job. I love my family. I love my friends. Everything about me from such a very young age is that I, I love people. And uh, God, God instilled a gift in me that gave me the ability to have a confidence at a young age that was unexplainable to just enjoy people wherever I was. I mean, I can remember being a young girl, my dad being a wheat harvester, and I'd be in the cafe across the room telling somebody my name and wanting to know about them. And I was, you know, three, four years old. So first, first about me is I, I love people. Another thing about me is that my faith is unshakable through every circumstance and every situation and every high and every low of my life. My faith is unshakable. And, and that's a big deal to me and about me. If you know me, that is one thing that I may not preach scripture to you. I may not be the Bible teacher all the time. I may not be in those circles. However, I will tell you about my faith every moment I get the chance to. Uh, you know, I think that's I something do. that you don't have to tell people about Carrie. There's because your faith is so strong. I can see Jesus in you. You don't have to tell me. Mm, thank you. That's my hope. 
I do love everything about the arts. Um, I like that you put it that way because I love reading. I love um, the opera. I love Broadway. I love to travel. I love new experiences. I love music of every type and every sort. I can find appreciation in all of those things. I like to write. Do you write. love bluegrass? I mean, hey, I say I, I love grow- all music too, but I don't. Bluegrass is one. <laughs> Well, you know, I do, I, I do have an appreciation for it. We do have a bluegrass uh, music college, a junior college in Leveland, which is where I'm from. Okay. That leads, I mean, the, one of the top bluegrass music programs in the world. I didn't know and, that. And that's kind of an inside <laughs> joke with me and my father-in-law. Um, he likes to send me bluegrass music or, you know, request it on radio stations and dedicate it to me. <laughs> well, I know what I'm fixing to do then. <laughs> I didn't know that. See, you just taught me something about our own community that I wasn't even aware of. This upright, huge guitar or a steel guitar. There's some bluegrass things that are in my um, deepest, deepest parts of me. And so there's a wide array of things about me that I could tell you. I'm an, I'm an auntie. You said I'm a great, whatever you call me, mommy. Stommy. I love it. Passionate about life, Shannon. That's probably what is the most, I guess, specific thing I can say to myself about anyone to anyone Mm -hmm. is that I am passionate about life and everything that it offers and has. And I want to see and do and be everything. I love that. And that's why you are a guest on a king size life because (laughs) you love life and realize that you have one. And so we're going to talk about more of that. So people get to understand some of those parts of you and what you mean whenever you say that you love life and you love people. One of the, well, the question that I always like to kick off with to just to get people thinking is what is your earliest childhood memory? Like your first memory on this planet earth and describe it for us. Oh gosh. My first childhood memory it would have to probably be between the ages of three or four. And my, my parents were wheat harvesters. And what that basically is, is they traveled from Lubbock, Texas, all the way to the Canadian border outside of Montana. And they traveled for approximately eight to nine months a year. And we, we lived in a little bitty one bedroom travel trailer that you pull behind a car prefacing all of this because my childhood memories, they're wonderful and they're great. And I got to see and do things that 90 year old people never get to see and do. I saw the country. And so at three or four years old, I remember both of my parents worked the wheat field. Um, And my mom's brothers also at some points throughout harvest, they worked the wheat field. And at one point, my parents, it was in beginning of winter, they had some equipment break down and they knew that it was going to be hard in a hard winter time. And with a little one that not, I wasn't a boy, so I wasn't a tomboy at all by no means. Um, With a boy out in the field with a bunch of grown men and my mom being the only female to be able to care for me, my, my uncle, my favorite uncle who is now passed, um, my mom told them, told them, Hey, get her in a truck and take her back to Lubbock and take her to mom and dad's my grandmother and my granddad. And I remember being in this truck with him, this grain truck, literally driving from Montana back to Lubbock, Texas. And me wow. asking about every 10 minutes, are we there yet? How much further are we there yet? How, how much further are we there? Where's my mom? And here I am about three or four years old. Uh-huh. And I loved to read at that time. I loved to know what was going on. I loved to know where we were. And so every time that he wanted to sleep or he wanted to get out of the truck or I constantly was like, okay, when are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? And I got back to Lubbock and spent probably two months with my grandparents, which, you know, seems like a long time. It's really not that long of a time. And At that time, I decided I would never get in the vehicle again with my Uncle Alfred because (laughs) when he told me 
that he was going to get me a Coke. Oh. We went all the way back to Lubbock to get a Coke. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and there was lots of Cokes at lots of convenience stores and truck stops. And we didn't get a Coke. We kept getting orange juice or apple juice or milk or, and I would say there's a Coke. And he's like, no, that, we drank, I, we drank glass bottle Cokes a lot. Uh -huh. And he would not allow me to see a glass bottle Coke and all the other Cokes were bad until we got back to Lubbock, Texas. And I got a Coke and I, from the day he passed away when I was probably in my, uh, my, before I was in my twenties and every time we'd get in a car, it was a joke after that, that I'm not going anywhere with you. You'll take me back to Lubbock and we won't, you know, from Montana to Lubbock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's an amazing story. What, what, how long of a trip is that? Oh gosh. It's probably, I mean, he didn't stop. He didn't get out. He didn't go to sleep. He just slept in the truck and we ate and I don't know. It was probably two or three days if I was guessing. That's I mean, like an I eternity as a child. Cause I think about just going to my grandma's, it was like an hour and a half drive and I would do that to my parents. Are we there yet? Are we almost there. Are we there? <laughs> so at that yeah. age to drive for days. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't get in the car. And did you, do you like Coca-Cola? <laughs> I don't like Coke. <laughs> I don't like Coke. Um, in fact, I, my parents, after that point, they really never left my sister and I with babysitters. Um, it was always with family, but even mm -hmm. then I was like, I'm not going to stay anywhere. Like you'll leave me there for two months or you won't come get me or you'll send me off. And yeah. it was a, it was an enjoyable experience because I got to see a lot of cool things. But at the same time, I was told I was going to get a Coke and made it all the way back to Lubbock. So did your, <laughs> did your mom teach you? I mean, were you educated? Were you homeschooled? No, I wasn't homeschooled. However, okay. um, she did teach me in the combine and the truck how to read and write and all the things before I started kindergarten. So I mean, you said you're reading at the age of three. That's pretty incredible. Yes. Yeah. She, she was intense. Um, she, neither one of my parents have a college background and, you know, they're just hard workers. And I was very well, you said I was well-spoken. Mm -hmm. I was well-spoken at three or four years old enough to know you just, that's all you had to do was learn how to read books. And, and it, I wasn't coloring and coloring books or putting puzzles together. I was reading and doing math and writing my name. And I had this complicated name, if y'all haven't noticed. And I had, I knew how to do all of that when I started kindergarten. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. It's just, I love, I love asking that question first, just because you learned so much about people. I mean, just you sharing that being out there in the world like that, you had an appreciation for the world at, at a yeah, small age called. because you were seeing it, you were seeing beautiful things. And so I'm sure that's where your love for all of it started. Yeah. I got to see Mount Rushmore at like four or five years old. I got to explore just open places and rivers and mountains and prairie. I mean, all the things that you think about or you hear about, or you watch some video about, I got to see and explore so much with, with little to no money. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even that, you know, it wasn't the money that got us there. And I guess that's what you made me just think about is we were just a family hardworking and got to see a lot of cool things. And I met so many cool people and, um, just travel. I mean, you're right. That's where I got my love of travel is you don't necessarily have to have money to go and enjoy things. Yeah. Yeah. The trees are free out there. We'll go, if we'll just yeah. stop and look, that's something that I'm taking away from what you're saying. And, and something that I have on my vision board that we created yesterday is to have more experiences, just more memories and more experiences. And anytime that I talk to people about things that really memories that resonate, it's experiences and things that they value, not, I mean, people don't remember maybe their, their favorite gift ever, but they don't, they don't remember the gifts as much as they remember the time and the experiences yeah. like that. Um, so let's carry on our conversation a little bit from earlier today. So we were, it's been a heavy few days. It's, you know, 2020 because you are my first podcast interview for 2021. I don't want to completely ignore that we just came out of what was 
well, it could be a difficult year. It could have been however you want to look at it. Um, I mean, I know that you're definitely a, a glass half full person um, and that's just how you choose to look at life, but want to talk a li- little bit about um, just some of our, our learnings from, from 2020. And um, can you just share maybe what has been weighing on you and talk, let's Ooh. talk through it a little bit, maybe because I'm sure we share in some, in some of that. I know we do because we talked a little bit about it earlier, but um, if there was a takeaway, knowing that you're somebody that, that looks at life with a positive outlook, a lover of people, somebody that is very social and, and spends a lot of time around other people, pouring into other people. And then we faced a year of isolation. What was one of your takeaways from 2020 to go into this year? Wow, Shannon, that's a, that's a big question um, with a lot of emotion. <laughs> we can be emotional I'm we not, get that way. It's fine. I'm not going to lie. Um, 2020 has definitely been in the top three of my hardest um, seasons of life. I'm not even going to say the year because it wasn't the full year. Um, it was just a season that has definitely stretched me, um, not broken me, but kind of battered and bruised me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made me have a a different perspective on the things that matter, the people that matter. Uh, and, and just letting go of maybe some expectations that I have put on myself or my surroundings or that others have put on me. I chose my word about a couple, well, about a week ago and my word for 2021. And when I say my word, it's kind of something I focus around. I learned this oh, about 10 years ago when I was in a particular radio situation. My word is for is hope. And there's always a hope in something. There's always a hope for something. And even in the darkest time, which probably hit me around, I would say June or July, when things just kind of got harder, mm-hmm. um, I realized we weren't going to maybe come out of some of the situations that we were in as easily or as quickly. And we may not come out of them at all. And my success has happened because I am a lover of people and I am social and God has given me the abilities to be those things. And when I feel like some of those were changed or taken away, I didn't necessarily know how to continue being quote unquote successful, Mm -hmm. successful as a friend, as a daughter, as a real estate agent, as a, just as a person, Mm -hmm. um, even as a spiritual leader. I was no longer in a physical church setting. I was no longer in a physical office setting. My community events were very um, sporadic and limited. And even at that best, they were awkward. Even my family outings, unless they were outside, they were awkward. Mm -hmm. It was, it was such a very hard time because those are the things that touch is important to me, whether it's a handshake a hug, um, an embrace. Those are very, very strong things to me that enable me to feel connected. I'm also an eye contact person. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have, I guess, that moment with someone, and even though, yes, we have Zoom, that was challenging because not everyone can figure out Zoom and Zoom had its own limitations. And it threw a kink in my life. And my anxiety became super high and I'm still struggling through that. Um, About 10 years ago, I struggled with anxiety to a point it debilitated me. And I, I recognized where I'm at, at, at the time I started to feel a little anxious and I joke around and I say all the journaling, all the praying, all the hot baths, all the wine, they weren't helping anymore. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to spend time with my people and I wasn't able to function at my office and I wasn't able to go worship with my people. And Shannon, it's been hard and it's been heavy. And I know there's people that are going through many 
different hard things. But to me, this was my hard. And it's in, it's not in comparison to some of the other hard things in my life, but it made me appreciate something different. And it made me um, appreciate the times that, that I can be with those people and be very intentional with that time, even if it's an hour or if it's a zoom call or it's a coffee date outside on the patio, or if it's going to the park and eating outside because you just feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. If it's a handwritten note, those are things that are kind of getting lost. Yes. And I, my hope is for 2021 that almost the simplicity is brought back to a phone call conversation and not a text or a handwritten note and not a Facebook message or an email. So what, Um, how, for the people that are listening that experienced everything that you described, because you know, I, I experienced the same feelings and that's how she brews came to be and how we have our coffee dates. Like we just had today's, I, I have that longing too. And for people that are still going through that, what are steps that you took one, you identified, you had the realization and, and awareness to know that you were experiencing anxiety from that, that it was stealing your joy. How did you, what step did you take and, and what could you encourage them to do to bring themselves out of it? Well, first is to recognize it. Um, there was a time I probably would not have recognized it or I would have just ignored it. And then I would have became debilitated is to recognize it and be okay with it. Like be okay that, that you are having a moment, that you're heavy, that your heart is heavy, that you're missing the things and people that it's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's flat out freaking okay. Which is something um, that you say, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And you get to have those bad days. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't shove them away. I gave some advice to a friend of mine and I gave it to her about four years ago and she was like, Carrie, it changed my life. And we like met at the coffee copy machine at our office. And I said, you get to have a bad day, but you don't get to stay there. Mm-hmm. And so I gave myself some time like to say, you know what, if you're going to cry your eyes out today and have a pity party because you're sad, you're not out with your friends on a Friday night, then, then cry your eyes out. But then next, I had another friend that recommended to me, okay, well, what does God want me to learn through this? What does he want me to see through this? What does he want me to grow from this or, or to help someone else? And that, that took me back to journaling. I'm a big journaler and a counselor told me years ago to write things down. And, and I'd gotten away from that and I made myself write something down every day even if it was two words on that piece of paper, Mm -hmm. I wrote the date and I would just write, I'm so glad the sun is shining outside today. Or the next day, it might be that I just spent three days at the lake, um, that I had the opportunity to spend three days at the lake. So I would say journaling. My, my next part, my other advice to that is you got to talk to people. You can't, I don't care who you are. You can't go this through this world alone. And God did create us for community. That community can be one or it can be a hundred. And don't feel guilty if it's one or a hundred. There are every walk of life. Mm-hmm. Some people only need one people. They only yep. need one person in their people circle. I need probably a hundred. <laughs> um, I need somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. And so you've got you to gotta talk to your people and you've got to stay um, plugged in. You got to stay plugged in to the word. You got to stay plugged in to your people. You got to stay plugged in to what's going on inside your body, physically and mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, my other would be, I know everybody's on this self-care kick, but it is really important whether you do have coffee or wine or journaling or a hot bath, or you need to just go drive around on the back roads, do so. You know, I spent, I spent many, many hours just sitting outside, really not even knowing what to do with myself the next moment, but I chose to take what I learned over the last 25 or so years of my life through counseling and spiritual leaders, family, friends, support system. I took those pieces 
and, and started just to putting them back together because I knew now what anxiety had did to me prior in my life. And I didn't want it to do that to me again. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, never experienced anxiety before 2020 and mm. I relate to, you know, everything that you're saying, but, but for me also 2020 was, as we were talking about earlier, you know, I was forced to sit in my feelings. You know, I think for a lot of us, we, we are able to stay busy and keep our calendars full. And this, this past year, I had to stop and sit with myself, you know, <laughs> because I didn't have other people. And it was very much a having to go inward for growth. And we can either, like you said, go inward and get stuck there, or we can go inward and face what's happening and then choose to step out. And, you know, sadly, not everybody has won the faith to bring them through mm -hmm. or the circle. But I believe that all of us can go out and find those things, you know, go out and create the space that you, you need and crave. But it absolutely starts with what you said. You've got to recognize what's going on. I think that people, that's why we're, we are hearing a lot of people that are talking about self-care because I think they're really hungry for it. And I, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like people looked forward more than any other year in my entire life except for maybe 2020 when everybody thought that, or to the year 2000, when everybody 2000. thought that, <laughs> Y2K, um, <laughs> and they weren't actually looking forward to it. They were afraid all our computers were going to crash, but people needed renewing and refreshing and more than I've experienced in my lifetime um, and are hungry for that and are hungry for the tools to be able to do that. So I love that still knowing that you, you've had some heavy days and what you've experienced you still have a smile on your face and a love for people and care about those around you and want us to feel better. And so, well, that's why I keep you in my life. I always feel better when I'm, I'm around you, but Aww. I want to go back prior to 2020 and talk about what helped you create that foundation in your life. And you had shared with me and I want you to share with the listeners, but in, in your early teens, what was one of the, formative times of your, your life, um, and your mom facing illness and how can you share a little bit with us about that and how that helped shape you into who you are today? Yeah. You know, Shannon, there's a couple of different difficult times in my past, um, you know, 20, 25 years. And one of those that did stand out when you asked me about something that had just happened in my life that was hard or difficult to get through and, and how I did and what had happened. And um, I could write a book about the wonderful things of my life. And then I could write a book about some really gut wrenching um, on your face times of my life. And something I've learned through that is to keep smiling. Um, keep finding the joy and keep finding the hope. And when I was about, I don't know, I was about 15 or so. Um, my mom is 20 years older than me. So she was in her early thirties. We'll just leave it at that. And she went in for a normal kind of surgery and there was complications. And after those complications, our family was faced with challenges that no, no family should have to face. And as we came through this COVID outbreak, I'm now realizing there's families that face all kinds of things every day and you never know what someone is going through. And so it does make me emotional, not as much as it used to. At 15, my mom had a botched surgery and uh, her body set up an infection what had happened is she had this mesh that you often hear about in the news for mm -hmm. hernias mm -hmm. that was sewn into her intestine and the infection because of that, it set up an infection and her, her incision burst open, like physically burst open. Oh my gosh. Many things came out of that at that time. And there's so much of that I've probably stuffed or I've probably just dealt with and put up on the shelf and kind of won't look back. 
but at 15, I was thrust into what I call motherhood. My sister is six years younger than me. And so she was nine and it's just she and I and my mom and dad and my mom at that time went into a coma and lots of complications happened for about the next eight months or so immediately. Doctors told my dad that my mom would not come out of this coma alive or she would come out a vegetable at 35 with a nine-year-old and a 15-year-old. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And my parents were self-employed. They owned their own business, which was successful. And my dad was very successful in some outside multi-level business for worked really hard. And my mom ran the business and my mom was active in everything that my sister and I did. She was vibrant. She was full of life. She was the, the spiritual warrior of our family more so than my dad. He was the leader, but she was the warrior. You know, she washed our laundry. She cooked three meals a day. She ran their business. She was at every function of my sister and I, and she did all the wifely duties as well for my dad. And so when she was no longer there, she was in a hospital bed in a coma. And at 15, you're at this point in your life that you're just wanting to, or me, I'm strive for perfection. I'm, I'm driven. Um, I just want to do things right and please people that people pleaser thing Mm -hmm. um, became even more prevalent because I was I was wanting to make sure the house was clean when my dad got home and my sister was taken care of and the laundry was washed. I didn't know how to do any of that because my mom did it all. I didn't know how to cook because my mom did it all. We didn't know how to do laundry because my mom did it all. The spiritual pain that our family took on, my family's always been a family of faith and my parents have always stood on their faith once they became adults and married, they chose that for their family and for each other. Just walking up and down hospital rooms and, and hearing stories. And my dad protected my sister and I from so much and he carried the weight so much and him having to make decisions to take my mom off of a ventilator or not to keep her hooked up to feeding tubes or not. You know, the relationship my sister and I have now is because of those times that neither one of us really knew what we were doing. We just knew that we had each other and we knew that whatever happened, we would still have each other. Like that Mm -hmm. wasn't going to change. And we believed that somehow Shannon, somehow there'd be a miracle. And I will tell you, my mom is their miracle now five times, like five times over the last 28 years. She's a miracle. Like the doctors have given her no hope. They've given her um, no future. They have said she would be a vegetable. They said she wouldn't walk. She had to learn how to walk and eat and talk and all kinds of things. Again, she would be in a wheelchair. She's not. I have a niece and nephew that are 10 and eight, and she's a very active Grammy. She's had a very vibrant life in spite of 28 years of dealing with one hellacious health event after another. There have been multiple times over the last 28 years that She has spent years in the hospital, months in the hospital. Um, Just four years ago was another trying time of our life. And she was in the hospital for nine months and they they thought they were going to have to do amputations. And she was on a ventilator again. And I became such a caregiver out of this, learning just how to take care of me and others and be strong for everyone else because they're coming to me and they're, and they're telling me what's going on in their household and that their parents are either getting divorced or they've got an abusive situation or they've got a drug situation or they've got a cheating situation. And I didn't have any of that. I have great parents that loved mm-hmm. each other and they do love each other, but we were enduring a health crisis that could have destroyed our family unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all actuality, it could have recre- created how- so much resentment and which you, you see people and hear people go through really difficult times like that, similar type of family. situations. And they do, they become resentful and separated instead of, instead of stronger and inseparable, which I, I mean, based on what I know of what you've shared about you and your sister's relationship, 
I'm grateful to have that relationship with my brother and hearing you say it out loud. That's why, I mean, there were times that we wanted to knock each other's head off our shoulders. There were those normal times with siblings, but at the end of the day, I knew he was there for me. And so I love him through and through because of that. So I love that you have him with your sister. We have an unbreakable bond. And it's funny because at times she's the strength. You know, she's the sister that is stronger and bolder and she has an unspeakable strength sometimes that I don't because we just clung to each other and we did, we became, we became closer. Our family throughout the last 28 years, we, we have realized we are what we, we have each other. And at the end of the day, if you don't have each other, you have nothing. And that the enemy can come at you with every sword and every dart and every attack. I mean, he has attacked our family and my mom just amazes me. Her strength is, (laughs) I want to meet her just hearing you talk about her. I want to meet her. She has to be just an incredible human. Well, and your dad too. She has just endured. Yeah. And my dad is wise. My dad is compassionate and loving and kind and, throughout such a hard time of raising two girls and still loving your wife through all of these health battles that you've both faced that caused mental, you know, anguish, they caused financial anguish, they Mm -hmm. caused spiritual and emotional anguish. And our family is still together today. My parents have celebrated um, 46 years that they've been married. Beautiful. That's amazing. And, and so like out of, out of that, there's probably three real difficult times in my life. And that's one that just shaped me, um, into who I am today Mm -hmm. because we had to just hold on to hope and we had to hold on to faith and we had to hold on to each other, Shannon, like in that there's a lot of families that don't have the opportunity. They don't have the means. They don't have the ability. We did, we locked arms and I, I can look back even four years ago and there was a pivotal moment in the hospital one night at three o'clock in the morning between my mom and I, she was hooked up to a ventilator and our relationship changed at that moment and became a brand new, wonderful relationship. Not that we did not have a good relationship to begin with, but it's like God gave us both just such a newness and created this friendship that we have. And I don't know, I'm, I'm blessed to have walked through that journey. Mm -hmm. And I used to just think that it was my mom's story and my mom's testimony because God had spared her life five times, not mine. He had, she had endured every trial. I didn't. She had physically endured every trial. I didn't. But what I've learned is that her testimony helped create mine as well. And it's, it's part of my job to share how God made me who I am. I am confident in who I am. Even when life knocked me down, I'm still confident in who I am for some reason. Yes, you are. That has not went away. (laughs) Just your whole life, uh, you know, we started when you talked about your word for the year and being hope, your life has been one of hope and, and true faith to show us what faith can carry us through and was your armor going into 2020 also, I mean, the, the tools that you were able Mm -hmm. to take into the year and still knowing that even with that much armor on, um, and tools to, to deal with something like we just dealt with this past year. There are others that that don't have that, but can, because what I always hear when you speak is, is that hope and the faith and just continue to love and have kindness and how that can carry you through the most difficult times. And that's something that we all need to practice more. The simple, the simple things back in life. I agree with you. I want to see more of that too. And I'm trying to be more mindful of that. And we did more like playing games with our kids and spending that time together and trying to unplug, but also just being kind and loving coming from a place of love through the difficult times. Yeah. Because believe me, I, I've been angry and broken and hurt and all the things and haven't wanted to love sometimes. 
but I knew, I knew that without that, I was really just a shell of a person. Um, I haven't done real well at loving myself at all times. And I'm learning how to do that. Living and being, being a person that just loves no matter the circumstance and looking for something good in that person or that situation. And I often can even find the good and the worst of situations or the worst of people. And that's not a good quality always either. I was just going to say you, you do a lot of pouring into other people. Do you allow people to pour into you? How do you, how do you fill your soul so that you're able to give like that? I have not done a real well job of allowing others to pour into me. Um, and I'm learning. My mom often has said to me, you can't be a gift giver if you're not a gift receiver because other people are gift givers also. And That's crazy so, you just said that. I think I wrote down something <laughs> I'm going to have to find what, what I wrote, but it's very similar to that. It's often hard to hear others either speak well to me or about me. That is hard. There's, there's other difficult situations in my life that have probably caused that. That's another podcast for another day. <laughs> you know, just believing who God made me as and who I am. And I don't always allow others to speak that. And if I do, Shannon, I'll be honest, I shrug it off and I don't always take it and tuck it in. Mm -hmm. I, I just set it on the side and I think, Oh, that was nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But then I don't take it deeper. And maybe that's where I'm at in 2021 is I do, there's something deep in me right now. And I, I've done a lot of crying and not in a bad way. It's mm -hmm. almost like a rain of just crying. And, you know, when the rain comes and it just cleans everything and it washes everything and it, it brings green grass out of dry land. That's where I'm at right now. And so I, I'm going to be better about allowing others to pour into me. And I do, I, I do have about three or four people in my life that, that I, for whatever reason, I've allowed them to speak life into me. I've allowed them to speak truth into me. My dear friend, Ruth is one of those that somehow or another, God used her to speak life and truth, hard and great things, both. My dad is one that's been pivotal throughout my life of just being a cheerleader almost. And my, my sister, my mom, and just there's various people. However, just in general, I don't go out searching for people that pour into me. Right. I go out searching for those that I can pour into. Do you think some of that comes from seeing your mom and, and because you said you didn't experience the life struggles that she did, that was her, but you did. Do you feel like you don't allow yourself because I don't have it as bad as they do? Is that where that comes from? I don't have anything to complain. When I really look at my life, what do I have to complain about? What do I have to feel the need to be poured into? I don't have it as bad as they do. Do, do you think that's part of it? Yeah. And that comes from my glass half full and my need to always be loving and happy. Mm -hmm. um, and behind that loving and happy and glass half full is often also a person that's being depleted and because I, I don't ever think that I have it as bad as others. And yeah. I've seen others endure some really hard things. And yes, I've endured them too. But mm -hmm. I often think my faith allows me to just push through or pull it by my bootstraps and come on and right. we can do this. And other people, you know, you hear as a child, there's, there's children starving everywhere. Yes. Or there's people living in poverty that they don't have running water. And so when you've had that in your head for so long, you often look at other situations, even in the midst of your turmoil, and you think, man, but my mom's still here. Right. You know, my friend lost her mom like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And all I of that's so mom. true. But, but I think that that's kept a lot of us in our lives because I relate, I relate to your, what you're saying with, with different situations in my life, but that's kept us from acknowledging that it's okay to not be okay. 
it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be the person that needs somebody to pour into because I allow that to happen to myself too. I just put myself in situations. My parents always, or my dad would say it, that I had the lost dog puppy dog syndrome because I would find like some of the most broken people. And those were the people I wanted to be with because I wanted to, to help fix them, you know, save them, make them happy. And um, so I find myself doing that and, as an adult too, but I've gotten better to realize in 2020 was part of that, you know, just having a moment where I couldn't run away from it anymore, but it's interesting. And I, I think there's, there's a lesson for you that's out there listening um, and what Carrie's talking about that you, there's so many, so many life lessons through everything. Um, and in your story that you can overcome it if you'll stop and acknowledge it and that it's, okay to not be okay and who are those people in your life and make sure that you have them and at some point like reach out to them i'm i'm proud of you for acknowledging that and doing that and carrying on and giving to other people so let's kind of move on okay switch gears a little bit because (laughs) because the podcast is all about adversity and so i don't like I don't have people talk about their childhood and the difficult parts for any kind of, Oh, who had it harder. It's not anything about that. I want people to understand that when they look at your life today, that it, it has come with difficulty and that you've been able to take difficulty in your life, adversity, obstacles, whatever you want to call it, that you allowed to form you and you took all of those things to, make the most of the one life that you've been given and you've accomplished some amazing things in your life and people are not alone out there. I always want people to know you're not alone. Somebody may relate immediately to your story and it's going to help them through a dark time. And so that's why I like to revisit those things before we talk about all the great things, but let's do talk about one of your most proud moments. What is something that you have accomplished that just, I did that. I think, out of that particular moment that was hardest in my life, it was one of the top three hardest moments in my life with my mom's health battle. Um, my proudest, one of my most proudest moments that, that I think came out of that is I was taught you pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You, you get yourself up off the floor, you get out of the trenches, you know, forgiveness is probably my most proudest thing, Shannon. And that's probably not what I was thinking when you started asking me these questions in preparation for this is when you think of proud moments, you think of an accomplishment or an accolade or a award, or that's where my mind goes. But forgiveness has actually given me all of those and more. There's been some people and things in my life that could have literally killed me literally could have broken me, could have taken me down a dark road that did not. And for many years, they defined me and they made me not who God created me to be. And in the last five or so years, I have found forgiveness and just forgiving of those who have damaged me because they didn't break me. They damaged me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a bunch of broken pieces put back together. I might be a little bruised and battered, but I didn't ever get broken. I used to think that I was broken. No, I don't think that. There's been people in situations that have hurt me. There have been people that have abused me in physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, that one should not have to endure. There's been those that have taken and just flat out just disappointed. I mean, just that seems small and minor in comparison to all those other big things. but finding forgiveness have give has given me more than any success story could ever give me. It's given me more than any accolade could ever give me. It's given me more than any award could ever give me. That's something that I struggle with is forgiveness. I'll say it out loud. I'll say that I've forgiven the people that have done the worst things to me, but I, I don't like I, even on my vision board of, she asked us to talk about 20 things that we want to accomplish in our entire life. And one of them was to be able to, to let go of just the the worst things that have happened to me and, and truly forgive. Can you walk us through forgiveness? I think forgiveness had to start internally. 
with me. And I had to start with forgiving me and myself for where I'm not going to say I haven't measured up or done the things, but just forgiving myself for, I don't know, for putting them the limits on myself and other people. And it, it took some inner, the last six or eight months really deep of realizing that is one of my biggest accomplishments. It's one of my biggest, proudest moments. I, I, yes, you should be incredibly proud of that. Some people live their entire lives and never be able to have forgiveness. Yeah, because Shannon, I, you know, I, I have been to years of counseling to forgive particular people. I mean, years, 20 years of counseling. And I've been to spiritual pastors and, and leaders, and I've read lots of books, and I've journaled lots of diary pages, and I've found a strong circle. I think the steps that just takes to get there is you, you know, you, you have to, you just have to acknowledge it once again, that it's there. It's always going to be there, but what you do with what happened to you or changed you or is in your life, what you do with that and how you react to that is actually the better outcome of that. And so the forgiveness that I lived without for so long, for situations and people both, and including myself, I'm learning that it's more detrimental than not. And it will eat your insides up if you can't forgive. And you don't have to ever think about that person or that situation again, just because you forgave. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to talk about it anymore. You don't have to let it, I don't know. You just don't have to let it have to be part of you when you truly forgiven something. And that means like, you're going to have to forgive sometimes 50 times that day, but tomorrow you might only have to forgive four times and then two times and then once every six months and then once every six years. And then finally it's gone. And so the steps to that was it took, there's been many years that I did not have forgiveness, even in one particular situation, something odd happened. I don't know about four months ago and my ex-husband's, third ex-wife called me and I've been divorced for 18 years. We didn't share children. I don't know where he was. I don't care. Um, but this random lady got my phone number and called me. And this was one of the moments that could have defined me that I didn't allow to define me. And when she called, it was really random. And this is where full forgiveness happened 18 years later. And after a lot of hurt and brokenness, and this lady says to me, I just need to know that I am okay and I'm not crazy. I don't know her. I knew nothing about her. I even tried to Google and all the crazy things. And I said, how'd you find me? And she said, well, I just found you. And then I found your phone number because you're a real estate agent. And, and make a very long story very short is at that moment, God used every broken piece of me to now show true forgiveness of someone that hurt me so badly to actually say to this woman, you are worthy and you are enough in what happened to you and what's being done to you and what you went through. It doesn't make you, you, because I'm here 18 years later and you think I have this wonderful life and I do have a wonderful life. And at that moment I forgave myself first because I hindered all these crappy feelings. And then I forgave my ex-husband for the hurt that he caused and that he was causing to her because then I was able to use all that at that moment and say, you know what, dear, you're, you're worthy and you're more and God made you more. Wow. I have goosebumps. And so that's my proudest moment is forgiveness. Wow. <laughs> that's beautiful, Carrie. I mean, really at this point in your life to have that peace. Yeah. 18 heart. years later. And that's yeah. just one one thing mm -hmm. that I've gotten peace about. And that's why, you know, man, I've gotten peace over a couple of situations over the last five to 10 years that I just never thought I'd get peace with. Some breakthroughs. And if there was a word that you could put on all of, I, I don't know, 2020, what a year, huh? What a year. What a, what year. a year. And look at where you're able to start this year. I mean, just a great place to start the rest of your life and all the things that we learned. Yeah, because Shannon, you know, I always have New Year's goals or resolutions or dreams or hopes. And here I am in my early 40s. And now those goals and dreams and hopes, they're really, God put something in my heart 
10, 15, 20 years ago, I'm so passionate about women. I'm so passionate about women knowing their worth. I'm so passionate about women in general, any age, any age of female Mm -hmm. to just know who God created you to be, including myself. And even in my hard times over the last six, eight months, I've had to remind myself, God created this and you are a daughter of the most high King and you are amazing. And, and you do create goodness and you do bring joy and happiness and you are enough and you do things right. You're not a total mess. Mm -hmm. So what is that thing? If there's one thing that you could do knowing you would not fail, what is that? One thing knowing that I would not fail is to just be in women's ministry. I just want to have a full blown women's ministry. I don't know what that looks like. Of course, this podcast is part of that because Mm -hmm. being transparent and vulnerable and sharing my story with whoever it touches, it could be one person, it could be a hundred thousand. I don't know. There's, there's parts of my story that I haven't shared publicly that I think God's bringing me to. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just to be a full blown women's ministry somehow, somewhere. I can absolutely see that right now and all your beautiful clothes on stage speaking to a lot of people. (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) I can see it as plain as day. What's one, what is the step that you could take that would take you closer to that? Mm. One step. This right here is one step. Mm. Um, When you asked me to do this, I was like, really, I don't have anything to say and nobody knows who I am. And um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I'm honored. I'm honored to be in a group with you, period. Um, I feel the same. I am honored to be locking arms with some amazing women over this, the path of my life. I'm, I, I often don't think that I'm a, I jokingly will say I'm a big deal, but I don't believe I'm a big deal. I don't believe I'm an influencer or a, or a, I don't know all the things, all the things you can set and say you're not. However, I know that God has a story in me and I don't know, Shannon, I don't know. One thing that could be that is just this right here, me saying yes to you. I could have just said, no, I'm not ready. And, but that was a big deal. They even said yes. And I knew you weren't going to let me say no anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So how does it feel to be vulnerable with who knows might be listening? Yeah. Who knows? I, how does it feel? I don't know. It's empowering in Mm -hmm. a little bit of a, a sense. You know, I had a moment, I don't know, it's a couple months ago on Facebook, some girl reached out on some Facebook page and, and she had been in a bad relationship, abusive situation. And I don't know this girl, I still don't know her. And I just wrote her a message one day and I said, you know, you're worthy and you're, you're blessed and God has a plan for you and you need to know your worth. Mm-hmm. And so those moments are what I need to do more of because those are the steps that I can take to, to doing what I truly believe God called me to do. And that's just to be, be in women's lives. I absolutely agree. And, and I would, just, I would encourage me. you to COVID can't stop you. Yeah. Co- I, is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> COVID's not going to stop any of us. Um, but I encourage you to, to do that. I mean, you have a, you have a gift, you have a gift with, words, you have a gift with warmth, there's a light in you, your faith, everything. And the world needs more of you. And the world needs people like you, women do, especially um, sharing that type of message and the message of hope and the message of overcoming and the message of kindness and love through it all. So I I hope you take a step to do that. I'll keep nudging you now that I know what it is. Cause you've been telling me there's something on your heart <laughs> and now I know, but thank you very much for being with us today. And thank you for sharing your heart and for being willing to be vulnerable. That's something that I used to be very closed off to people. And so I never really got close to people. And the more my walls come down, the closer I get to people, the more I share, the closer we bond. And I think that God calls us to mm. do that, to share. He, he gives us a story to share to help others and to unite us. So I see a whole lot of unification coming through your story and a whole lot of empowered women. So thank you very much. Thank you for everybody listening today and know that my prayer always is for you to get off the sidelines of life and live a king size life. You only get one. 
You've been listening to a King Size Life podcast with Shannon King. You can follow Shannon on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We really appreciate that effort. Be sure to join us next time for another encouraging podcast with Shannon King. Thanks so much for listening.